This special message was recorded live at Brazen Grace Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. Open your hearts and join us as Pastor Zach Cherian brings us this teaching. I want to talk to you about the glory of God. Say the glory. Come on, talk to me loudly. Say the glory of God. For us to understand truly the glory of God, we have to go back to the original meaning or where the glory was originally found in the book of Genesis. And we find that the glory of God was the very thing that Adam and Eve that, that distinguished them, that clothed them, that was, the, the, who, that was who they were. The thing that made them look in the likeness and image of God was the fact that they had the glory of God on them. Say the glory. You see, the problem with us is this, folks. We don't often know our true identity in Christ because we're such a people that are driven by our condition that what we go through determines and tells us who we really are rather than what God says about us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, We beholding His glory like in a mirror. You see, if you don't know who you are, Satan will play games with you. You'll be beaten around all over the place and you still don't know who you are. This concept of the identity is so important because I believe the first thing Satan does in the life of every believer is he makes you question your true identity. And folks, listen, the problem with us is we live in a day where we all tend in the world seem to have an identity crisis. The world tells you one thing of who you are. The, the, the television tells you one thing of who you are. And then you come to church and so we live confused. And often because we don't know our true identity in Christ, we tend to steal what we call in America identity theft. We steal somebody's identity. And so that's why you find preachers pretending to be other preachers. Singing songs like other preachers. Praying for the sick like other people. Because they haven't found their own. Yeah? Because when we don't know who we are, we tend to, and it's good. I've, been loved, I've looked up to preachers. I've sung songs just like worship leaders I've loved. I do all that. Type. But there comes a place of revelation. There comes a point in revelation when you truly find out your identity. In you trying to find out more about God, God reveals more about you. We all jump into the place of information, which is great. And then we come to the place of impartation, which is even better. But both of those have a limit. The only thing that will really thrust us into our destiny is when we come to the place of revelation. When we come to the place of revelation, we see ourselves as God sees us. Jesus was 30 years old and his ministry had just begun. And he goes into a season of fasting and prayer for 40 days in the wilderness. And the sneaky devil thinking this would be the best time to come and trip him. To come and make him question his identity. Comes to him at what he thought was the weakest point of Jesus' life. You see, but Jesus didn't fast like some of us Pentecostal folk fast. He didn't look all old and scraggly and depressed. And you know how we walk around, we want the whole world to know we fasting. See, fasting for Jesus, I believe, was a time of victory, baby. (laughs) You don't fast to change God's mind. You fast to renew your mind. (laughs) His mind is already made up, folks. 
and his plans for you are to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. He ain't changing his mind. His mind is made up. Fasting brings us into alignment with the purposes of God. I was so free. He comes to Jesus and says, If you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. It's amazing to me. Jesus had not done a single miracle yet. Jesus had lived 30 long years. And not done a single miracle. If you really are the son of God. How come you ain't changed nothing into wine yet? How come you ain't healed nobody and raised no dead? He comes and makes Jesus question his identity. Why is this identity so important? Listen to me carefully. Because if you don't know your identity, you will never fulfill your destiny. We live in a generation people that are stealing other people's identity. We don't know who we are. And therefore we try to be like somebody else. We try to be something else. And not find out my true identity. There was a purpose that God created me for. There is a plan. There is something so unique about you that nobody else is like. There is something so special. If you don't know your identity, you will never fulfill your destiny. You will never fulfill your destiny. If you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. And Jesus responds by saying these words. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Because when Satan came to question Jesus and he was saying, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, Jesus only remembered something that happened 40 days before that when he was in the waters of baptism being baptized by his cousin John the Baptist and he came out of the waters and a voice spoke from heaven and said these words, you are my son. Come on somebody, you are my son. So when Satan came and said, if you are, if you are, ah, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, out of the mouth of God. Listen to me, what are you listening to today? Romans chapter 8 speaks about the sons of God. That creation is groaning and moaning for the sons of God to be manifest or to be revealed. The word revealed means this. They already are it, but they don't know it. They ain't becoming something. They're already it, but they will never manifest it because they don't know it. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. My people. Say my people. Y'all are too quiet for me today. My people. My people perish. Not them heathen people out there. Not those folk out there. My people perish because of a lack of knowledge. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 13 I believe it is. It says my people are in captivity because of a lack of knowledge. You can choose to be stupid if you want to. I'll say this every, you can cast every devil out of you, but the spirit of stupid is yours to keep. My people perish because of a lack of knowledge. What is it that they don't know, church? They don't know who they are. See, you can know all about, oh, I know God is almighty. 
and God is a healer and God is a deliverer. That's all good. But you will never be able to appropriate who God is until you know who you are. Go home, really. <laughs> the glory. Creation, it says, is longing and groaning and moaning for you to manifest. Listen to me. Canada is crying out. Now you can bash it all you want because of all them laws that are being passed. You can talk about all that stuff. But or you can choose to say, you know what? I don't care about that. I just choose to know who I am and manifest. Because when you manifest, creation will respond to you. You see, God in the Garden of Eden made Adam the Lord of the land from where we get the word landlord. He was the one given dominion over the earth. Please listen to me. It was Adam that was given dominion, which we gave to Satan at the cross of Calvary. God gives it back to us and says, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to you. Are you listening to me today? Today you have it, but if you don't know it, We can sit in church every Sunday, clap our hands and talk about when we all get to heaven. I don't think God's in any hurry to have you up there until you're done with what you got to do down here. And if there's one thing Satan can do, it'll be to knock you out before you fulfill your destiny. Because the only thing he's come to do, the only thing is to steal. You listen to me up there. Kill. And destroy. It's the only thing he does. I say something that's going to mess with your head. But I'll say it in a way. I don't think the devil cares about where you go, heaven or hell. He's not lonely in hell looking for partners to come join him. He knows he's going to burn. The one thing he cares about is not trying to send you to heaven or hell. He cares more about making sure you don't fulfill your destiny on the earth. Because if it was about killing, he would have convinced Adam and Eve to kill each other. Jesus wasn't the only person that Satan tried that with. He also tried that with the first Adam. (laughs) The Bible says... God created man in his very likeness and image. In his very likeness. Are you listening to these words? See, we've been so charged that we don't listen to these words like they really mean. In his very likeness and image. In his very likeness and image. I'm going to just push it. I'm going to say it. You all can get mad all you want. They look just like God. When the animals saw them, they responded to them. Why? Because the glory of God was upon man. And when man said something, the animals said, yes, sir, sounds like God. They were in the very likeness and image. He looked at the lion and he said, your name is lion. Lion said, roar, yes, sir. That's why when the glory left, lion looked at him and said, "Mm, you look like lunch, sir. He comes to Adam and Eve and does what he tried with the second Adam. The ones who were exactly in the likeness. Study, go home and study that if you can. In the very likeness and image of God. Lucifer tried to become like him. So God kicks him out of heaven and says to annoy you just a little more. I'm going to make a whole species that are just like me. 
And Satan comes and says, did God really say that? Did he really say that? Because if you eat this fruit, you will be just like God. He goes, shut up. (laughs) And they take the fruit and eat it, trying to be something they already were. (laughs) Because they didn't know their identity. Because they didn't know their identity. The destiny of God over them was found in Genesis 128. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion. They couldn't do that. Why? Because they did not know who they were. You will never fulfill your destiny. Please hear me. Boy, if you forget everything else, I say remember this. You will never fulfill your destiny. And your destiny is not to show up in church once a week. Kumbaya, my Lord. Throw some money in a basket and then go live like hell for the rest of the week. This is the church house. You know what house you show up once in a while, you don't know who the person is, just throw some money and expect some love. I'm not taking it any further. Your destiny is so much greater. In Canada, creation is groaning. You see them earthquakes and things that happen? That's not because God's mad at your country and wants to kill you. He's a good God. I'm going to leave that. He's a good God. He's a good God. And Canada creation is groaning for you to manifest. For you to be revealed. For you to be revealed. So what is the thing that is veiling us? Ever since we got kicked out of the garden, we've been trying to get back our identity. God's been trying to restore his glory back on the people. Whenever I would preach about the glory of God, I would always go to Exodus chapter 33 and talk about the glory that came. And the mountains that shook. And oh yeah, God, send your glory. Yeah. But yet in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, It talks about a glory that is very different from the glory that showed up on Mount Sinai. In fact, it says the glory on Mount Sinai is passing away. It's the glory that came with the revealing of the law. Okay, It's the glory that came with the revealing of the law. And for those of you that love the law so much, for goodness sakes, the Bible says it's passing away. Would you let it pass? Some of us want to be free. Because where the spirit of the Lord is. Speaking in contrast to the law. Where the spirit. I, gotta be, I, I keep forgetting to do that. I just keep thumping the pulpit. Where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. Because where the law was. There was bondage. Because on the day the law was given. In Exodus 19. Please stay with me as I run through this fast. On Exodus 19. God says for I want you to be Israel. Unto me a kingdom of priests. A holy nation. What? That sounds familiar dude. Yeah. Horse Peter 2.9. It wasn't something new. He came up in the new covenant. It was always his idea. For there to be a people. That didn't live by a set of rules. But lived by faith. And the people of Israel say, no, speak to Moses, speak to the Levites, 
It was never God's idea for there to be an exclusive group of priesthood called the Levites. It was his will for all of Israel to be a kingdom of priests. Stay with me as I conclude. They rejected. God says, I want you to be my people. No, talk to Moses. Just tell us what to do. I don't want to tell you what to do. I want you to be my people. My people. No, just tell us what to do. And God gives them 10 and see, let me see how you do it now. And the first thing that breaks out when the law was given is 3,000 people are killed. What did not kill them from, Mount, from Egypt to Mount Sinai? They were grumbling. They were griping the whole time. They weren't all holy people before that. But nobody ever died until the law was given. Why? Because the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. <laughs> Is there any wonder on the day of Pentecost? <laughs> on Mount Sinai, the law was given and 3,000 were killed. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost was released freely. Come on, somebody. Over all the people and 3,000 people were saved. The law kills, but the spirit gives life. The only thing the law did was point out your condition. The law could never point out your position, your identity. The only one who gives you your true identity is the Holy Spirit of God. The only one who shows you who you really are is the Holy Spirit of God. You've been told, my friend, all your life that the job of the Holy Spirit is to keep convicting you of sin. Keep convicting you of sin. Yeah, he did that before you got saved. John chapter 16, it says, for the Holy Spirit will come. He will convict the world of sin and the believer of righteousness yeah. <laughs> some of you are like really yeah the world of sin but he convicts us of righteousness when you fall into sin he doesn't come and say look what you did look what you did look what you did duh he comes and shows you who God really sees you as. This is how God sees you. As the righteousness. What you did doesn't define who you are, Zach. What you did doesn't define who you are. What God says is what defines who you are. That's why my Jesus never looked at a sinner and said, You sinner! You sinner! Jesus looked at the woman throw caught in adultery. And says, where are those who accuse you? She says, they're not here, my Lord. <laughs> and then Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. You see what Jesus did first? He released identity forgiven. Forgiven. She ain't forgiven. She ain't asked for sin yet. She didn't repent. She didn't. None no, I'm going to release the first thing. Forgiveness. Why? Because it's the goodness of the Lord that leads people to repentance. You see, Sandeep Sana, buddy. See that boy over there? We grew up together in Hyderabad, India. Sandeep knows the little dog. Sit down, my friend. <laughs> Sandeep, you remember Tipsy? He does. Tipsy was my dog. She looked drunk. So we called her Tipsy. When we were training Tipsy not to do pee-pee in the house, every time she would do something in the house, we would drag her by a collar and say, look what you did, Tipsy. Look what you did. Look what you did. And Tipsy would make this little face at us. That's not the job of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
His job is not to point out the obvious, duh. Can I say something to you? Your sin didn't take God by surprise. God went on the, don't do that, don't do that, don't. Yeah, Gabriel, he did it. Jesus, I think we missed this one on the cross. Let's get back on there. See, but isn't that how we behave, church folk? We act like something caught God by surprise. And so therefore, you take that sin that you did and allow condemnation to come in. And you allow guilt to come in. And before you know it, you're living in sin. And you come to church and you, and you watch people on TV. And all they tell you is, you sinner, you sinner, you sinner, you sinner. If the ministry of condemnation had glory, yeah, it does have a small element of glory. How much more? How much more? The ministry of righteousness. And I've come to tell you all the way from San Antonio, Texas. You are not a sinner if you're in Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Do you know your identity? Creation knows who you are. God knows who you are. And the devil knows who you are. Do you? The glory. I'm done with this. In Exodus chapter 33, after the law was given, Moses is up. He's in the tabernacle of meetings. And he's having a conversation with God. Are you with me? I love preaching to you guys. You guys are so much fun. And Moses and God are talking to each other, the Bible says, face to face. Go read it sometime later. He's in the tabernacle of meetings. He's speaking to God face to face. And then the Bible says that the cloud came into the midst. Just good. We call that the? The glory cloud. Shaka. He's in the cloud. He's talking to God face to Your Sunday school teacher told you, she never, you never see God face, you die. No, Moses saw his face. Go read it. And he's having a conversation with God, yeah? And he prays a very strange prayer. He says, Lord, show me your glory. Boy, what's wrong with you? You're in the cloud. <laughs> You're looking face to face. Lord, show me. And see, when I would read that, you know, you know how we preachers, when we don't understand something, we skip. I'm smart enough to skip it rather than come up with some dumb interpretation where the Holy Spirit has to tell me I'm wrong and I got to come and tell the whole people I was wrong. I've done that before too. (laughs) And I thought maybe it was kind of, you know, he prayed that prayer actually before he, the glory came and before he saw him face to face and spelling mistake, they kind of put it on the other side, you know. It it was just a little slightly off, you know, and it actually happened, but but it didn't. It's like, why was he asking for the glory? Why is he asking for the glory? Didn't make any sense. And after this great encounter, God says, no, I cannot show you my glory. And then the story goes on a few years later and Moses dies. And it seems like an unanswered prayer. Dustin, come on, man. It seems like an unanswered prayer. (laughs) You feel like that before? Sincere, well-meaning and... Until revelation came. Don't you love the Holy Ghost? Revelation came. 
I realized Moses was asking for something that couldn't be revealed in his time. He was asking to see someone because the fullness of time had not come yet. The same Moses who wrote about the fall of man. You see, everything in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, it all points to one person. The one who could redeem them from the curse of the law. It all points the same man who wrote the story of the fall of redemption. The same Moses who wrote the book of Genesis when he wrote the story of Abraham taking his son up to be killed. And God says, no, don't kill him. And the Bible says Abraham saw that day and rejoiced. What day? Abraham saw the cross. Who wrote those words? Moses did. Moses knew that what they were handed down wasn't what God originally intended for man. God wanted man to be righteous by faith. God wanted man to be righteous by a relationship with him not by trying to keep a law when the people rejected faith God released the law and now they're living in bondage in fact I think it's in Nehemiah chapter 10 it says that they came into a curse and Moses knew there was only one who could redeem them and he's up on the mountain with the cloud and he says Lord Show me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Can you feel what I'm feeling? Lord, show me your glory. I'm not coming to talk about some religious duty you do in church, but I'm coming to talk about a tangible, real, real God who you can feel and touch. God says, Moses, I cannot show you my glory because if I show you my glory, you'll die. Why? Because the time hadn't come. And it seemed like that story has a very tragic end when Moses dies. And it seemed like nothing happened. Until I read Matthew chapter 17 one day. (laughs) Excuse me. Sorry, I feel the anointing so stronger. You know what the purpose of the anointing is? The anointing creates passageways for us to access the glory. See, you don't find the anointing in the Garden of Eden, do you? Because you didn't need it. You had the glory. One day Jesus is walking down the street and he looks at his, his three boys and he says, Peter, James, and John, buddy, come up, walk up with me to this mountain. Kind of random thing to do. He goes up to this mountain and this Jesus who took off his robe of divinity and put on the robe of humanity became one among us. You couldn't tell the difference. This Jesus who became just like us, tempted in every way. Suddenly on the mount that we call the Mount of Transfiguration. Transfigures himself in all of his glory. and says, this is how I really roll, baby. 
Before their very eyes, they see the Son of God manifest. First Peter records it. He says, we beheld him in awe of his majesty. Suddenly the Son of God manifests and something really strange happens. Somebody shows up with a friend. Moses. It may may be a little longer than expected. But he's always going to answer that prayer. There was a prayer that hadn't been answered. Lord, show me. Oh, excuse me. I'm a little more well behaved than this normally, but I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. Lord, show me your glory. God hadn't forgotten that prayer yet. And so, when the fullness of time had come, when the Son of God, whom the Bible calls the glory of God, revealed the fullness of the Godhead, Colossians 1 2 9 was manifest, 1 9 was present in him. The fullness of the glory of God in Jesus Christ manifests himself. Moses shows up. Moses shows up on that mountain. Lord, show me your glory. And then this Jesus said, I have to go. I have to go. It is better for you that I go. Because <laughs> I would send someone. <laughs> and he ain't just going to hang around you and walk away when you sin. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. (laughs) The Bible in Colossians 2.9 says it's Christ in me. The hope of glory. The glory that you're looking for. Your true identity. It's already inside of you. When you gave your life to Jesus at salvation, everything that is God, the full potential that Adam had to be the glory was placed within you only for you to appropriate it by faith. We beholding his glory like in a mirror. When you look into a mirror, you see your sinfulness. You see your unworthiness. But you see this mirror that it's talking about? You look in the mirror and you see yourself (laughs) as the glory. And as you keep looking at it, the Holy Spirit transforms you from glory to glory. Into the same likeness, the same image, until creation looks at you and says, You look just like Him. We pray and believe that this teaching has been a blessing to you. For more information, including the location and time of our services, please visit brazengrace.org. God bless you.